Robin Seeger. I'm still Robin Seeger, obviously. <laughs> and uh, welcome to the Golfing Mind podcast number two, which we are filming. And I'm delighted to uh, share with you what I've learned over the last 15 years in studying the mental game of golf in some detail, and um, which resulted in a number of books being written. And I coach and I have online academies and stuff like that, which is all based on the one idea is helping us understand how our mind can impact the way we play and how we can use our mind to help us improve on our performance. That simple. So today I want to look at what I call the 80-20 uh, rule or the 80-20 uh, phenomena, deciding how you interpret it. But quite simply, it comes down to this. When I ask professional golfers, on tour, what percentage of golf is mental versus mechanical? I originally thought they'd probably say 50-50, but the lowest I ever had was 80-20 in favor of mental versus mechanical, and some have even said 90-10. So if you go to a professional golf tournament in America or Europe or anywhere in the world and you go to the range before they start playing in the competition, you will just be astounded by the quality of the strike these men and women are putting in the ball. They hit the ball mechanically unbelievably well, yet these are the same people who will say to you, now golf, it's 20% uh, mechanical, 80% mental. When I ask them how much time do they spend practicing golf, the mechanical side of it, they will tell me with some degree of pride up to five, six hours a day with so many balls in the range, the short game area, then they'll do some workouts, calisthenics, stretching. They will watch their nutrition. They'll then go and play nine holes, two balls. They put a lot of time in. When I ask them how much time they put into the mental game, they kind of look at me, not blankly, but kind of with a shrug of the shoulders as if to say, well, what can I do? They go, well, you know, I've I read a few books, Bob Rotella, I know to breathe under pressure, uh, slow things down, but that's about it. And I said, but if you could acknowledge that it's four times more important in your estimation, shouldn't you try and do something about it? And there was again that shrug of the shoulders as, and well, what can you do about it? And I think it's an extraordinary thing. You know, you and I, the average golfer plays golf for fun. We do, we want to play great golf. We want to hit a long drive. We want to get backspin on our nine iron. Of course we do, but we don't practice enough to hone those skills to any level of um, excellence. But when it comes to professional golfers, you know, they often say, oh, it's not life or death. Well, it is life or death because they seek to have a life in a business or a profession they love to feed their families and to be successful. You and I don't have that life or death thing. But what we do have is the ability, like professionals, to train our mind. If you go to a gym and you do your sit-ups and your push-ups and your other exercises, <clears throat> And if you do that, you will, within two or three months, see a physical change in your body. There'll be a transformation that's visible, not only to you, but to other people. People will comment on it and say, wow, look at the guns, your shoulders, you look different. If you were to spend two or three months training your mind through a series of mental conditioning exercises, which would include, but not be limited to, meditation, visualization, relaxation, 
you too in three months would see or others would be aware of a difference in how you're performing. Yet people wants to, want to do that. People want to uh, find a shortcut. And the truth is there's no shortcut to being a great golfer. Talent helps, of course, dedication, a will to win, all those lovely components. But an understanding of how important the mental game is, to me, is key. Now, I'm not saying you have to become devoted to sitting cross-legged meditating every day. But what you do need to understand is how your mind impacts and how you perform. When I was uh, 49 years of age, I took up skydiving. Can you believe that? Something I always wanted to do. And I went on to do about 160 jumps, I think. One thing about skydiving is you don't get a second chance if it goes wrong. So you have to stay aware throughout the experience. Now, most people would think jumping, uh, falling out of an aircraft at 12 and a half thousand feet is terrifying. And the very first few times you do it, it kind of is. There's sensory overload and there's like, wow, what do I do? But the more you do, the more relaxed you become and the more able you are to be aware of what's going on. So even when things are not going well, your first instinct isn't to panic. Your first instinct is to think it through very quickly and know what you have to do. Pilots landing aircraft, surgeons performing operations, they're rarely gonna get a second chance. So they have trained themselves mentally to stay calm. We hear of um, pilots in emergency situations coming on the radio, cool as a cucumber. And in a sense in golf, staying cool as a cucumber is not a bad place to start. So I'd like to think about that. Think about how much time you invest in mastering the mental game or understanding the mental game. Now over the next few podcasts and with my online academies, we go into it in great depth. But I'm going to share more stuff over the next few weeks. So I hope you'll continue to join me and understand that 80% is mental, 20% mechanical. And for the average golfer, they rarely practice the mechanical. So what hope has the mental got? Well, I really hope going forward, it has a lot of chance. So I look forward to working with you in the future and talking to you again soon. And until next time, all the best. Thank you.